This is One Bills Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Rocking and rolling on a Friday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you. One Bills Live is the show. Jam-packed show for you today, which we'll get to in just a second. Holy mackerel. We're coming, I, you know. We're, it's Friday. We're two days away from a big division game. It's we're in our wheelhouse here, Bills Bills Mafia. It's Friday of a home one o'clock game against the Jet. Let's was, go! Well, when was the last time <laughs> that happened? I know. Right? Holy crow! You wait feels... for these days. We're in May and April. We're going. <coughs> when does this team? Yeah, what are but see now it's like woohoo! The last time they played at home was November thirteenth. I know it was a month ago. Literally, almost it was like 28, 29 days ago. It's nuts. Absolutely nuts that it's been a month, number one, going on their 13th game, and this is going to be just their fifth home game. Think about that. Yeah. 13 games, five at home. And one of the five was in Detroit. Well, no, I wasn't. I Does wasn't count counting. No, I'm, I'm counting <clears throat> this Sunday as the fifth home game out of 13. Right. Because you got Minnesota, Green Bay, Tennessee, and what's the other one? Well, Minnesota, you- Green Bay, Tennessee. Oh, dang it. Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh. Those are the four. Yeah. Yeah. So the Jets this Sunday will be the fifth. Will be the fifth. In the, that's right. In their 13th had, yeah, right. game. We only had four. Eight on the we road. Only had four. Five at home mm-hmm. after Sunday. We only had four. Two of them God. were at night. It's, it's nuts. It's, been it's absolutely nuts. And the fact that this team is 9-3, and three, despite all that garbage, being as injured as they have been. Yeah, got to tip your hat. You and really they've had – and let me say, we've, we said it. People aren't giving it. They've had the hardest schedule of anybody in the, in the AFC. They have beaten better teams, teams with better – because of the, the way the division has fallen. All, yeah. The Dolphins are playing well. The Jets are playing well. The Patriots are playing well. The Bills are at the top of the division. And then, of course, they also they – also they played, well, the, the Titans, the Ravens, and the Chiefs. Good grief. Yeah. It, that's saying something. Um, this week's game sponsor, incidentally, is Independent Health. Independent Health is an official health and wellness partner of the Buffalo Bills. Let's jump right into the practice updates, which are, as always, are presented by LECOM, Lake Erie College of Osteopathic Medicine. And today, head coach Sean McDermott, Addresses the media. He actually appears uh, on WGR here in Buffalo on Friday mornings. And he essentially laid it out as far as how the injury situation looks. He declared defensive tackle Jordan Phillips and fullback Reggie Gilliam out for Sunday's game against the Jets. Um, Phillips suffered the shoulder injury against New England last week. Gilliam has an ankle injury. Neither of them have practiced at all this week, so those two will be out of the equation. And, Steve, I don't know about you, but, you know, if Coach Dorsey wants to use 21 personnel and he doesn't have Reggie Gilliam, my best guess for who fills that role is Quentin Morris. Right. The tight end. Right. So sure. that would be my best guess as to who would replace him if 21 personnel is part of the game plan Well, 21 on means two backs, one tight end. They could go pony and go two running backs. They too. could, yeah. Yes. They could, they could, they could go they twenty did. if they want, right? Which they could do easily with Cook, Singletary, Hines in some sort. Some they did fifteen snaps of it last week right. against New England with you, two backs. We may see more of that. Um, yeah, 
I, I kind of like it in that the way it looks against the Jets' defense. Yeah, uh, the last game, because I looked it up, they ran about 10 plays of 21 personnel in the first meeting with the Jets. Um, See, I like it because of what it does to Mosley, C.J. Mosley in the Well, moment. yeah. And, you, and you know, we talked to Michael Robinson he, about this. <clears throat> he said, just run 20. Don't even put right. a tight end on the field. Right. Get three receivers out there with Hines and Cook. You got five guys that can catch. You got five Blazers out there. Right. That's what I, I like that. I, I like that a lot. Um, you got to you got to block it up. I mean, you got to protect it because if yeah, you have to they, make sure you can protect. But it's got you've got to figure it's coming out fast anyway, right? Yeah. Five guys in the pattern and spread the defense. When you got running backs in the backfield with Josh, either split backfield with him and shotgun or or Pony when he's under center. Two running backs. Those guys are out there and they're available fast. Um, yeah, there's a lot to be said for that. You can, you can, you're. It's good. Uh, I like that. I like that right. matchup. Because, and because Mosley then has to, he's, he's running after one of those guys, you know. Yeah. Um, and not coming after Josh, or not. You know, he can stuff the run, I guess, still too. But uh, I just like it. I yeah. Know. People are probably wondering the other player who is questionable in nature for Sunday's game, Matt Milano, what's his status? He was participating in practice here on Friday. To what degree, we do not know yet. We'll have to wait for the Friday injury report to be released a little bit later on in the show. But head coach Sean McDermott said this morning they'll see how he comes through today and tomorrow. So we'll see what the designation is here later today. This seems to be trending in a game-time decision direction um unless they just say look watch him in practice today and say, i don't like that way that looks the difference now compared to back in week nine when they did not have milano for that game is they do have aj klein and right. as much as mike white has been throwing the ball around the yard at their core this offensive scheme is predicated on their run game and i like aj klein against the run I do too. I don't know if you have a more instinctive player than him at the second level than AJ Klein. I, I totally agree. And you know, at the run game, the Jets need it. They yeah. really need it. And if you can, AJ Klein, I, I think you're not you're you're gaining something in the run defense when he's on the field. So uh, then you and that for me, if you're the Jets, you're thinking, okay, we're going to try and throw it. If AJ Klein has to see the field, well, you're going to. They the last thing they want to do is drop Mike White back 35, 40 times, and he dropped back almost 60 times last week. And yes, they're in the game with a chance to win, but they had two cracks, two bites at the apple in the last three minutes, and they didn't get it done. And went one for six in the red zone and three for 16 on third down. Yeah. They need a run game to keep them in manageable right. down and distance because Mike White, yes. Productive player, gets the ball out fast, makes their offense functional. But if it's all on him, that's when they run into problems. Situationally, and we've talked about it a ton, and you hear it, it's almost, you know, it's almost football 101 at this point. When you get down to the red zone, you got to have the threat of a run, if not a really productive running game, period. And if the Jets can't run it out in the field, they're certainly not going to be able to run it down close. The Bills have that always in their back pocket because of Josh. I mean, they'd just pull it under his arm and, and go, and he's 250 pounds, and you better have two guys there to stop him or he's going to bulldoze one or jump over the guy, right? Yeah. Uh, it's a problem for teams with the Bills in the red zone because they can run the football all the time. The Jets, if they don't run the football, 
and they're trying to throw it all over the yard. That's what got them into trouble last week in Minnesota. You got to run the ball when you're down close. You got to have that threat because this, you need to pack those guys in around the line of scrimmage because there's no space elsewhere. If they don't pack it in, there's no place to throw the football. If they jump in on a run fake or something like that, then there's a little bit of a crack of space in the passing game. But they don't do that if they don't think you're going to run or you can't yeah. run it. So that's a problem for the Jets. If you get them to where they can't run the football or don't think they will run the football, that's an enormous loss for them, more so than some other teams you can name. One last note on Milano. Coach also revealed that Milano sustained the injury he's currently dealing with early in the game against New England last Thursday, but played 100% of the snaps and finished the game. So here we are already over a week after that injury occurred, and we'll have to see again what his practice participation is when the injury report comes out. But we're just going to have to wait and see how things look going forward for him. Good news, Deion Dawkins, David Questenberry, who are both trying to return from ankle injuries, are practicing again today. They've been participating on a limited basis all week. We'll see if either of them do a bit more today. But things look to be trending in the right direction for both of them to be available on Sunday, which is big, knowing the Jets' defensive front is really the strength of that defense. Yeah, you got to have your big boys up front 100% or as close to it, uh, Dawkins especially, and Questenberry because you need a swing guy. Um, Certainly the Bills have used Bobby Hart at times uh, over the last few weeks, but he, they bring him in as an extra offensive lineman and giving him that role. So they, when they go heavy, it has really helped them in situations. But, man, Deion Dawkins, you, they need him. Yeah, They need him big time. Big time. Odell Beckham Jr. news as the world turns. He joined Amazon Prime Video's Thursday Night Football in the shop for the broadcast last night. Beckham said at this point he's targeting a return for the postseason only. I don't think that's terribly shocking. A lot of the reports, you know, before he did his three-team free agency tour were indicating he wouldn't be fit to even begin practicing until mid-December at the earliest. I realize we're practically there now. But if it's postseason only, we're talking mid-January, a month from now. Uh, this was a direct quote that he made when appearing on that program last night. Quote, I haven't made a decision, and for me, I would like to be in a stable environment, get up at 6 a.m., leave at 6 p.m. for four weeks, and then let's talk about it. I've played football for a long time. I'm not saying that I couldn't step in and play regular season, but I don't see the point. I really don't. I would rather play when the pressure is on. I see he's phrasing it a certain way here, Steve. But I think he and his, and his doctor probably knows, hey, the longer you wait and take time to get this thing strengthened properly, build endurance into that knee again, the better you're going to be for whoever you sign with. I think the question becomes, who does he sign with and when? And what is the ramp-up period necessary to have him ready to perform for your team in the postseason. What's the run-up time? You know what I'm saying? Oh, I get it. And he wants to play in the postseason, so what does that do? That, that removes, what, half the teams in the league or more than half the teams in the league from the, from the running. I mean, he's not, he doesn't, it's obvious he didn't want to come back and play for somebody who's not going to be in the playoffs. The first time he's going to be able to – to me, 
this takes him off the table for everybody this year, even in the playoffs. Oh, you don't think anybody signs him? No. No, I don't. Because uh, it's like you said, you've got to come in and get acclimated. And I don't know that it becomes less likely or more likely the longer we get or the deeper we get into the regular season, the closer we get to the playoffs. Is it less likely or more likely? Okay. I, the longer you wait, the harder it is going to be for him to contribute. And if you wait another two weeks, so you got three games left in the regular season, you give him three weeks to get acclimated, and then coming in the playoffs, if you're in, if indeed your team is in the playoffs, I don't. That's a big question mark. Are you going to start a guy that hasn't played a snap in the wild card round or the divisional round? If it's your the guy's been there and done it, I would. That's why I'm asking. What's the ramp-up period here? Because if he's only going to play for you in the postseason, now your, your next plan I get is it. how many weeks do we need him to practice with us and be ready where we can trust him out there on the field it would to be. perform in, a, in the most important game of the season, a win-or-go-home situation? You would have to be so careful and cautious about his ramp-up because what are you going to do if he comes in and, and you know, we had Xavier Rhodes on yesterday. What are you going to do if he comes in and bang, Xavier Rhodes injury, pulls a, snaps a hamstring? Yeah. Well, then, well, that, it's wasted. Mm-hmm. That's all wasted. So you think most teams are going to say the risk is too high and the reward is too low. And for us, it's just not going to work. For most of these teams, the Bills, the Chiefs, you go down the list, Baltimore, you know, Tennessee, who's begging for somebody to throw the football to, or in the other side, Philly, Minnesota, San Francisco, you know, Tampa, Dallas, Dallas maybe. I mean, we've talked about Dallas and the Giants, all that, and the Seattle Seahawks who are, in the, who are in the mix right now. All these teams, are there, are there going to be – is there going to be a point where they feel like Odell Beckham is going to be the thing that tips them over? Because if for the division winners – and for the teams like the Bills and the Chiefs and the, and the Cowboys and the Vikings and the Eagles, they think, shoot, we're good now. We're good now. I mean, this guy over here that's playing the role that OBJ would take, we're, we're kind of winning games with him. Yeah. Why are we going to do that and sabotage the guy who's helped us all year, sabotage his ability to contribute for a guy who may be a step faster or have a more cachet in a name? Let's – and I'm not saying that OBJ would come in and upset the apple cart. Not at all. But, man, oh, man. He would change the pecking order at Why? the receiver position. All these teams have got to have a lot of confidence going into the playoffs. The Bills are not cheap among them. Well, and as Are we, cheap among them. Here's the other thing, though. As we know, the NFL is a week-to-week league. One of these teams suffers an unfortunate injury at the receiver position. You know, the Eagles, A.J. Brown goes down in <clears> week 16. Suddenly, so you, so suddenly, you got seven days to get him acclimated and stick him in there, hoping no, he doesn't snap a hammy. Not going until the playoffs. You got week six, 17, you got week 18, and then if Philly has the bye, you got another week. You got three weeks to ramp him up, get him ready for the postseason, where you no longer if, have your number one wide receiver anymore. Great. That's in that scenario. I think somebody would jump in, on. Sure. Uh, great. Yeah. In that scenario, when you're going to A.J. Brown blows a tire. Yeah. Or 
you know, Justin Jefferson blows a tire. Right. Or, you know, I mean, that, come on. Or, or Could Steph happen. Diggs. Steph Diggs. Could happen. You know, breaks his foot or something. You know, all that. You know, that's a, yes, it could happen. You're talking about the the Cinderella story of a week 17 or 18 injury with a team that's got time to sign a guy like OBJ, bring him in, and acclimate him. Okay. Yeah. But that to me, that's the last vestige of an opportunity he will have to be signed. I'm, I think we're still in the, in the spot now where it's the most likely he'll be signed because of the ramp-up period. And we saw we saw it last night. And I said yesterday, and I'm, we're going to get to it in a minute, oh, but, yeah. but the Baker Mayfield thing where I said there's no way he's going to come in and impress them. <laughs> and he comes in and wins the game for them. I, they, my mind is blown. So, but <clears throat> there are teams out there, obviously. Even the, Ram, they're, the Rams are going nowhere. Yeah. They didn't have anybody. So they said, why not? Right. Apparently, Sean McVay has liked Baker Mayfield for a long time. But Likes we were better today. We were reading the reports on the air yesterday. There were reports that, you know, John Wolford, their backup quarterback to Matthew Stafford, had a neck injury. He was questionable. He dressed. He played, I think, the first one or two series and then exited. And Baker Mayfield came in, played the rest of the game. Yeah, played all but three plays. I mean, holy mackerel. And I watched and then, the first half, and then I couldn't watch the. I didn't watch the rest of it. And then, he was horrible in the first. Well, he had moments where he made throws like an yeah. NFL quarterback, but it was sixteen three or thirteen three, I think, at half, and it went to sixteen three in the fourth quarter. And man, they win. Well, and the Raiders helped give it away. I mean, they gift wrapped that thing for the Rams. It's just well, it's stupid, what they do. Stupid, stupid football by the Las Vegas Raiders. Time and again. It's what they do. I mean, the Rams made a handful of plays. Koranek made some nice catches at the end of the game. So, too, did Van Jefferson. And, you know, Baker was pulling the trade. What did he have to lose? Absolutely nothing. Right. Um, but the Raiders helped him. I mean, first of all, they get a sack on Mayfield late in the game. And one of the Raiders' defensive linemen decides when Mayfield gets up, I'm going to slap the ball out of his hands. Bing! Flag for taunting. 15 yards. So the sack and the loss of yardage on the sack gets wiped out by a 15-yard stupid, stupid penalty. And they had a couple others, too. They had a pass interference call on a play that was never going to get completed. And then they give up a 23-yard or 22-yard touchdown pass on a little fade by playing man-to-man Yeah, that was in their own too. end. I mean, what are you doing? And... Josh McDaniels, for what it's worth, was criticized for punting. Well, it was like a fourth and what was it? A fourth and one at their third, their own thirty-eight yard line. They decide to punt, and the punt was great. Got, got down, down to the two yard line. Yeah, it was perfect. They're all pumping their fists. Oh yeah, got That's them a, right, right, right. Yeah, Wada, a team that had scored one touchdown all night. Yeah, with a guy that just came off the tarmac. So you're at gonna, LAX, they're going to ask him to go ninety-eight yards in less than two three minutes of the game time, you know. Um, yeah, that was a, that was an okay play. I was fine with that. And they should, and, and it worked, because if you didn't do a stupid taunting penalty and yep. a pass interference penalty, and then on the coaches, it was them playing man coverage. Yep. Yeah. You get what you deserve. So, so far this season, and I can't take credit for knowing this, that we saw this online, uh, 
Jeff Koltenak in our control room passed this along from Matt Verderam, uh, who's an NFL reporter. He said, the Raiders have lost the following games this year. This is mind-blowing. Raiders lead 20 to nothing against the Cardinals, lose the game. They led 17 nothing against the Jaguars, lost the game. Led 17 nothing at the Chiefs in Kansas City, lost the game. Led 16 to 3 against Baker off the tarmac, lost the game. And, and they also lost the game to Jeff Saturday in his first game as a head coach. That's a bad season. That is catastrophically awful. That now, here's the best part. Season. Here's the best part. There are reports out of Las Vegas that Josh McDaniels will not be a one-and-done head coach for the Raiders, and it's not because of his inability to lead the team to victories. I mean, he's snatching, snatching, he's snatching defeat from the jaws of victory yes. in these five games that we just listed. Um, word out of Las Vegas, according to some reports, is they're going to keep him as their head coach because they can't afford to fire him. They are still play paying John Gruden and a large portion of his coaching staff that was jettisoned last year in the wake of the email scandal connected to the Washington Commanders. And they've got a cash flow problem in Las Vegas, according to some of these reports we've seen. So they can't afford to fire another staff and pay them to not work for them. That's pretty crazy. Well, it's hey, takes a lot of money to run an NFL team. But jo and <clears throat> yeah, I, yeah, the John Gruden and the John Gruden incident still keeps being mentioned in the Dan Schneider investigation as to how that yep. all came about, um, and that is on an ongoing issue um, for not only the Raiders, but the league and the, and the Washington commanders, Josh McDaniels, who had the quick stint as the Denver Broncos head coach, then an even quicker stint as the Indianapolis Colts head coach, then backing out of that agreement. Yeah, yes. Thank you. No, thank had, you. <laughs> after he had they had hired his defensive staff. He backed out of that job for whatever reason. And it's, yeah, it's a mess out there. Yeah. It's a mess. The, the the way they have lost games this year is it seems to me it is 100% on the coaching. Yeah. Two quick injury notes before we go to break. Uh first, the Giants may have to face the Eagles this weekend without Saquon Barkley. He's got a sore neck and Brian Dable said today he's not sure if he'll be able to go on Sunday. New York needs that win now down to seven and four record. They're still in the playoff hunt or still have one of the seven playoff seeds in the NFC, but they got teams hot on their heels. And then Ravens head coach John Harbaugh just told reporters moments ago, it looks like it's going to be Tyler Huntley at quarterback on Sunday against the Steelers. Lamar Jackson battling a sprain PCL, not expected to be ready in time to play there. And the Ravens clinging to the AFC North division lead with Cincinnati behind them just based on their head-to-head -head matchup earlier this season. Both teams are 8-4. and four. So the AFC North race could get even crazier going forward coming out of this weekend. We have to take a break here, but when we come back, it is time for our weekly visit with Bill's safety, Micah Hyde. Nothing to hide coming your way with your questions and Micah's answers next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio.
All right, welcome to One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker, and joining us in studio now for his weekly visit is Bill Safety Micah Hyde for his segment, Nothing to Hide. Welcome, Micah. It's been a little bit of a hiatus here with the Thursday night games. You know, we've been kind of muddling our way through a different schedule as the players have, I'm sure. What's it been like in there? You know, we just, uh, whatever the schedule is, you've got to keep rolling with the punches and and keep going. Um, You know, I feel like we haven't had a a routine this year just been like you know Thursday night games Monday night games Sunday night games Sunday day games so it's good though a lot of primetime games and a lot of guys are watching in on us this does have to feel like a breath of fresh air for the locker room getting a little bit of a buy mini buy after the Mm -hmm. Thursday game then coming in and say okay here we go one o'clock on Sunday exactly let's let's work towards it yeah you know watching watching a little NFL games over the weekend and um, getting to chill with the family that was that was huge yeah. All right, so we put the call out to the fans on our social media account, One Bills Live, asking you for questions to ask Micah. So I've got the list here in front of me as Let's we had a ton got. of responses. So the first one comes from Chris, and this is not from me. Um, <laughs> if you had to take three teammates with you into a foxhole, <laughs> who would they be and why? Three teammates into a foxhole, who would they be and why? I'm taking, I'm taking my DBs with me. You okay. Know, um, you know those are the guys that, you know, I watch a lot of film with, go to war with on the weekends. Um, and I'm gonna say Tredavious. I'm gonna say Poe, and I'll throw in Taron. Okay. And those mm-hmm. those three. I'm um, I'm going in and and we're gonna uh, we're gonna hang out. It's like the four amigos. Yeah, exactly. Four nice. amigos. Yep. It's crazy to think them. that what is this? This is like if you if you were still on the field when Trey came back. Yeah. Well, that's. St- Six seasons mm-hmm. for the three of you, you, mm-hmm. Poyer, and Trey. And then Taron came the next year, exactly. right? Yeah. Exactly, yeah. Five years. Five. Man, throwing, throwing Tremaine, that's five, and throwing Milano, that's six. So that's the back seven, you know, been together for, for that wow. long. So, yeah. It's, uh, that it's is pretty impressive else. in the league to do that. Yeah, it is. That, and it, it makes a difference on the field, too. Yeah, it does. It does. Yeah. Uh, okay, question number two. This is from Jenna. Out of all the places you've traveled to, what is your favorite? And then what's the weirdest food you've tried mm. while traveling? Mm. I, I think I know who that is, Jenna Eckelberg. Shout out to Jenna. I miss yeah, you. She said, love you, brother. Yeah, yeah. Um, places, uh, the favorite place I ever traveled to was Jordan. Um, okay. Yeah, oh, went yeah. to Jordan. Uh, my wife, um, her family is, is from there. So we went back. I saw where her parents grew up and all that okay. type of stuff. Went to Petra. Went oh, to yeah. Wadi Rum yeah, yeah. and went to the Dead Sea, and it was uh, one of the most amazing trips I've ever been on. Can you still sit in the Dead Sea and float? Float, sit yeah. straight up. Yeah, you can't put your face in it though. It's so salty. You put yeah, your yeah. face in it, you're gonna you're gonna come up. But yeah, you sit in there, you float. They say you can sit like you're sitting in a chair and you'll float. You float. It's the crazy. So much. Salt. It's the craziest thing. Like when you look at the water from from like top down. It just looks it looks like gasoline, you know the way gasoline looks. Oh wow. And you just get in it and you just float. Because there's that much salt. Yeah, but then you get the mud, you rub it all over your body. It's supposed to be good for you. Yeah, it's good it's, for your complexion. It's wow. Cool. It's pretty cool. Yeah. What all about right. the food? What food have you eaten? Did, did uh any? craziest food? Um, uh, maybe like kangaroo or something out in out in the outback. It's uh, the tail, right? That's the delicacy. I, to be part honest, I have kangaroo. no idea, but I tried it and and it wasn't that bad. Tastes like chicken. It tastes no like chicken. chicken. <laughs> Everything tastes like chicken. Everything tastes like chicken. Yeah. No, I, the only reason I asked that is because I, my parents have been to Australia and uh-huh. they said the part of the kangaroo that's considered the you know Best the, the yeah. premium part yeah, is yeah. the tail because of all the I mean eighty mm-hmm. percent of a kangaroo's muscles like in its tail. Yeah, I have no idea. Um, I. I I just uh, just tried it, and like you said, it tastes like chicken. Is it tender or like is it it's gamey pretty, it's or? Pretty, it's uh, it's harder than chicken. Um, okay, so but it's firm, but not yeah. not as like beef, you know, like yeah. a, like a steak. 
Yeah, okay. So, so it's a little, it might be a little gamey. Yeah. All right. I don't, I don't know if I can do that. I don't know if I can. If I ever go down there, I don't know. It's summer yeah, down I there now. It is. I, I go now. I made the mistake and went to the Outback. I don't recommend doing that. No? Yeah, I got off the flight. Too many flies, gnats. Like it was, it was, in, it was insane. Is that a seasonal thing, though? I mean, it, I don't know. I, I don't. But you know were out I, in it. I, we you said, were rough. We it said officially. if we go to the Outback, we or if we go to Australia, we want to go to the Outback, and so we did. And as soon as we landed, we called our travel agents. Like, get it. us, up, get us out of here. <laughs> it was hot. It was just bugs. It was, it was. Wild. I regret that yes. decision. Yeah. Yes, okay. Sure. Well, hey, right. you call an audible. Um, <laughs> Scott. <laughs> Wants to know, hi, Micah, I hope you're doing well. My question is, besides playing football, mm-hmm. what else do you like to do in your spare time and why? Mm-hmm. Well, we talked about traveling. I love, right. I love to travel. We have two kids now, so that's a little harder to do. Right. Um, speaking of kids, though, I like to just hang out with them. You know, we're here mm-hmm. long hours hanging out. So when I get home, I like to just, you know, wrestle with MJ in the basement, play a little football. Um, he thinks he, he, his, his new favorite player now is Gosh Allen. Um, gosh, 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 yeah. Allen. So, you know, we you play. Live with Still it. working yeah, on the Jays. Yeah, 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 yeah. So he uh, runs around. He acts like he's Gosh Allen and um, my little girl. So we just we just play in the, in the basement. Yeah, yeah. I know you play a little bit of golf once in a while. Yeah, every now and then. Yeah, every now and then. I, lo- I love to. I love to golf, but like I said, kids kind of limit that a little bit. But I'm in San Diego. It's beautiful weather. It's always a good time to get out. Yeah. Josh would like to know how much have you helped. Damar Hamlin, with his development, mm-hmm. what's the biggest piece of advice you've given him? Well, just start off with the biggest piece of advice. I would say um, just just be yourself. I think that you know each and every player in, in our secondary and on our team really brings di- something different to to the to the team. And um, you know, D Ham's not me, and I'm not D Ham. So go out there and play your ball. What got you here? Um, be comfortable. Ha- play fast. Have fun. Hit people. Um, that's he his hits. game. He, yeah, we know that's, he hits. That's it. That's his game. So just go out there and do that. Um, and I just try to be in his air every now and then, whether if it's a skies or um, you know adjustments that we make or what I see to help him out throughout the throughout the week. Um, but I don't want to bombard him. I want him to go out there, play fast, play free, and so that's kind of my advice that I give him. How do you yeah. pick and choose that stuff? Because I'm sure you see something every series. Mm-hmm. And it's it's probably got to be eating you like it's eating you up inside. Yeah, like yeah, oh, I yeah. want to tell him, I want to tell him. But then, yeah. like you just said, you don't want his head swimming with mm-hmm. all the things that Micah just told me. Like exactly, worry about the call and then whatever. So what what tips the scales and and puts you into? He's got to know this. Yeah. This will make him if better on the field for the next series. Yeah, if it's something that, like what you said, is is going to make him better for that next series, I'm, I'm I have to you know obviously right. I have to say something to him. Um, but if it's just like a little nuance in our disguise that you know um, really isn't going to show up again the rest of the game, I'll wait till after the game, film study, and then right. I'll get to it when we talk about the game. Mm. Yeah, and as you, as the season progresses, how have you seen him and Poe? grow together too i mean because they've got to be getting yeah. better more comfortable with each other how what are what's the feedback been well, from I them think, about how it's going well even talking to poe and seeing you know they the way they play together um just i think poe's message is the same thing just go out there and be yourself yeah so i think that once he was able to get out there and he played a lot in training camp but I don't know, not with poe but then once the season came you know playing some with poe you could just see how they're gelling together disguise wise they're coming together a little bit um you know it's it's hard because you know, once I played, you know, I don't know how many snaps I played with Poe, but I know that when the when the ball's lined up, I know where Poe is at any given time. Even though I don't even see him, I know disguise-wise with every single call where he's going to be at, where I need to show. And so Dham, you know, doesn't have that type of experience. So you see them kind of working on it, talking pre-snap, hey, if, this, if they come out like this, let's show this, let's do that. So 
it's really good to see. And I yeah. realize it's probably important to have that, you know, nailed down every week. But with a quarterback that's only played five regular season games in his career, mm -hmm. if you can change what he sees pre-snap and it's totally different mm -hmm. post-snap, Advantage defense, right? hundred percent. Like, Any way you can affect the quarterback, um, affect his feet, affect his arm, affect, the, affect his eyes with disguise, you're going to be successful. And so, um, you know, someone that hasn't seen every single defense, like an Aaron Rodgers or a Tom Brady, yeah. you got to go out there and you got to disguise and you got to make, you know, make it sticky for him. All right. Yep. So we've got another t from the tweet sheet from Tony. He says, quarterbacks give these gift Christmas gifts to the offensive line. What do you safeties mm. do? What do you guys do in your room about gifts? And also – when was the first time you met Jordan Poyer? Oh man, so quarter we don't have uh, we don't have quarterback money in our room, uh, <laughs> go, so yeah. we're not getting ATVs. Doing all right. We're not getting yeah, ATVs yeah. and all that type all right. of stuff. Uh, new cars and all yeah. that. Yeah. So uh, we yeah we have a little uh, gift exchange. Everybody get a gift. I'm not gonna say the amount, but everybody get a gift. And Do you guys go white elephant like you just. You put them in a pile and you and then draft you pick, pick. Yeah, exactly, okay. exactly. You pick one, and then you know if it gets stolen twice, then it's it's the the person's yeah. gets no to more keep than that two gift. steals. No more than two steals, exactly. Yeah. And uh, you put your name in a hat. And I think last year we went youngest to oldest. I didn't like that because I don't want to go last again. Yeah, right, right. Um, so I, I want to be in the middle flip of the pack. See yeah, if you can flip yeah. It. We're, I don't want to go first either because that's that's not fair. You think so, that's a disadvantage? Yeah, going yeah, first yeah, in the go, white for sure, for sure. Yeah, we always had it though. If the guy at first, last is if last the guy who went first good. has if the person who went first has their gift at the end, they get it. They get to go last time. Mm, they get to well, if it gets stolen, right? Really cool. If it gets if they if it never gets stolen. Now here's now here's an important part because people do this differently with the white elephant thing. When when they pick it, yeah. do they open it in yours, or so do they just you, sit with it? No, whenever you pick a gift, you, you have open to it. open it. You yeah. have to open it. That's so, why going last. So if you should want to go last. Because yeah. now you know everything that everybody yeah, has. If somebody opens something good and it got stole maybe once or I, I want oh it. the two steals yeah, are, yeah okay, the two so it's steals, off that kind of plays into it too yeah so uh, all right so then uh to meet. When was the first time first you met? First time Poe? you met, right. So I, so we have a mutual friend, uh, Christian Kersey, I went to yep. college with. He played that Poe played with in Cleveland together. So before we got to Buffalo in 2017, it might have been 2015 after the season, Poe came out to San Diego. Um, and I was, I want to say I met him at Hooters. I don't know how. <laughs> I think it was down the street from our, from our apartment. And, uh, it, and yeah, yeah. We were just eating some wings there. Next thing you know, Pose comes in and hanging out, and and uh, we're hanging out at the apartment. So that was the first time I've ever met Poe. Okay. And then two years later, teammates. So how weird was that? Because that's like, well, it, it was it like was two weird. years ago. You never would have thought. Never, probably. never would have thought. But it's funny right. because when I was in Green Bay, I was number thirty-three. When he was in Cleveland, he was number thirty-three. And so the laughing joke was, anytime Poe came up on film, whether it was special teams or defense. They would be like, oh, look at Micah, look at Micah. Well, they were doing the same thing to him in Cleveland. Or, I'm sorry, look at, yeah, look at Micah saying for, for Jordan. And they were doing the same thing in, in Cleveland for him, saying, oh, you look just like 33 for, for the Packers. So, you know, is, is this funny that come full circle, we end up being, you know, teammates. Was 33 available here when you guys got here? It I'm, wasn't. Yeah, Cole wasn't. Anderson had it. Okay. And he wanted uh, he wanted a little compensation for it, and I said uh, <laughs> it's not that like serious. That, I didn't pick thirty three in Green Bay, so right. you know I didn't okay. I didn't care. That's an that's an amazing thing. That's how you get your jersey number. You walk in and it's hanging there, and it's like okay, thanks. Yeah, yeah. you know, for for a guy like me, for well, me too. When I got to Green right. Bay, they told me you're number thirty three, and I was like, I don't have a choice. And they're like, yeah, we already put hide on the back of it, so it's too late. Yeah, thanks. And I was yeah. 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 The last thing I want to do is make a stink when you get here, exactly. right? Like, oh hey, like you're that guy, right? I don't want to be sure. that guy. I'm trying to make a team. Right. right. Yeah. Last one we got here is from Justice. 
just how good of a coach is Leslie Frazier and what premium does he bring to a defense? I guess what's, what's the best quality he brings to your defense? Yeah, well, first of all, congrats to, yeah. to Frazier. That's big time. Yeah, we uh, were over yesterday. It's yeah, awesome. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's amazing to see, you know, obviously him get the respect and the credit and, and you know, what he deserves. Um, but the, uh, what he brings to this defense, I, I love the way – that Frazier is after every single game. And I say this all the time. Like, there's no highs, there's no lows with Frazier. Like, he's a former player. He gets it. Like, every every game is not going to be your best game. Every game is not going to be your worst game. But within each game, um, we talk about, you know, what we can improve on, and we just continue to move forward. So I think that that's what he brings to his defense. He Obviously, he's calling plays. And he's putting guys in position to make plays. But – after the game and just the mentality that he has, it's just always get better, always push for more. And as a player, you got to respect that. I mean, I, it was amazing to me. You see what this Dolphins offense has done the better part of the last six weeks. Mm -hmm. And you go back to week three and think about the defense he had to literally cobble together with all the guys that were down due to injury. And then down in numbers – yeah. 120 on the field. Yep. I mean, they scored 21 points, See, this, 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 including this the, one touchdown on a short field yeah. after a fumble inside your own red zone. Yeah. Right. I mean, this is the life of an NFL player. Is it's week in and week out. Steve, you know this. It's all about matchups. Right. Like it's all about matchups. And and maybe one week some guy might be out or yeah. or whatever it may be. But each and every week you got to face a different offense. With in you know you got to switch up your defensive scheme a Different little bit players, you know we could yeah. play the Ravens one week the next week you may play the Dolphins the next week you may play you know whoever so it's just I don't think people understand that you you're not going to go out there every single week and just blow people out it's yeah. it, and that it's just about matchups and it's hard to it's about matchups yeah. now more than ever for sure more than ever it's about getting your good guys matched up on their bad guys hundred yeah. percent what is your t I want to flip it around and talk about your guys offense a little bit. We've seen this migration the last couple of weeks here, and I actually asked Steph about it after the Detroit game. And I said, it looks like you guys are making a concerted effort to kind of diversify your offense, run the ball with a little more purpose and production, mm -hmm. you know, another thing for a defense to think about. And he said, well, we're kind of doing it on the fly. He said, I feel like we're growing as we're going. Mm -hmm. And it, he goes, it's not all going to be perfect every single week because we're trying to add – a pretty significant component to yeah. what we want to be as a complete offense. Number one, whether it's offense or defense, how hard is that to do on the fly in the, within the scope of a season? Mm -hmm. And then number two, give me the defensive perspective as to, you know, how challenging that is seeing the Bills offense doing what they're doing if you had to face them. Yeah, well, I think number one, uh, how, how difficult is that? Um, during the season, yeah. During the, yeah, I mean, it's definitely difficult during the season, but at the same time, you know, from week one to, to week 17, you're trying to establish identity. And it, and throughout the season, it's going to change. Like, okay. you, 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 you know, you got to become, you got to become, you know, one and start playing together and all that type of stuff. So, I mean, I feel like that's cool. It's cool to see. It's cool to see the offense, you know, getting an identity and, you know, establishing the run game and, you know, just getting everybody involved because that's what's harder, you know, for a defense. And so to transition into, you know, what I'm seeing as a defensive player if if offense is making the game two dimensional, it's tough. 
Yeah. You got to stop the run. You got to stop the pass. Stop the run, and then and then it becomes a guessing game. Like, oh, are they going to run the ball? They're going to pass the ball. And and as a defense, when you're when you're playing like that, and when you're you know having that guessing game, you're playing on your heels. You're not able to play fast and attack and whatever. Now, when it, when you know it's a passing situation, that D line pins their ears back. The 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 secondary is able to break on the football and all that type of stuff. It's so much easier. So. Um, I would say that it's cool to see our offense doing that because defensively, I know how tough it is. Hmm. Yeah, because I saw, I mean, and we heard, you know, you hear media reports all around the league, and there was this general opinion out there, you know, outside of this building, that the Bills offense was depending on Josh too much to be Superman every single week, Mm -hmm. and they had to diversify and be more than just that. I mean, that first of all, that's a gigantic burden, even if it is somebody as talented as Josh. Yeah. But number two, I just kind of harken back to last year. That run game kind of hit its stride the last mm-hmm. month of the season, and you guys on offense were, like, unstoppable when you got to the playoffs. And I'm thinking, ooh, looks like we're heading down that road again yep. here. Hey, you want to be playing your best football come December. Uh, come December, your best football into January. And, you know, when, when our offense is, is putting up, you know, some – the dual attack and running the ball, passing the ball, it's fun to watch. It is very fun to watch. So, you know, just keep giving them confidence and hit this thing running. Good stuff, man. Thanks for coming. It's good to see you again, man. It's been a minute. Yeah, we'll catch up with you next week as well. That's Micah Hyde here on Fridays with his segment, Nothing to Hide. If you have questions that you want to ask Micah, you can send them to us now, and we'll get them off to him next week on next week's edition of Nothing to Hide. We'll take a break here. Be back with more on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. that time and it's actually appropriate since we have a home game holy cow tailgate friday presented by highmark blue cross blue shield of western new york the official health care plan of the buffalo bills this is our weekly exercise where we ask you what's on the grill what's on the fold-out table at the tailgate for this sunday's game against the jets and let me pull up the list diane Not sure about my breakfast yet, but we're making chicken corn chowder for lunch. So, Diane, obviously, an early entry into the parking lot. Parking lot's open at 9. It sounds like her and her crew are the kind of people that are waiting in line to pull into the lot when it opens at Mm. 9. Because she's talking about breakfast and lunch. It might be a watch party, too. Who knows? Because, I don't know. That doesn't even mean that she has to go to the game. But, yes. That's true. But yes. But if you are planning breakfast, you're an early entry <laughs> you're an into early the lot. Yeah, particularly for those one o'clock games. Oh my goodness, that's an early shot. Some people do just like to roll out of bed, though. Layer up. They load the car the night before. Yeah, yeah. Anything that needs to stay in the fridge gets yanked out in the morning, thrown in the back, and I'm then they're they're on it. the road already. I'm, I'm over here. I'm over here kind of early as well on game days. When do you when do for a one o'clock? Somewhere between nine nine thirty. Yeah, I'm about the same. Yeah. yeah. yeah All right, and, and it's it's busy when you get here, right? I mean, there's traffic when you get oh, yeah. here at that time, right? There is. Yeah, there is. No question about it. Mike, for tailgate Friday, says the anticipation for this one is crazy. It calls for a bloody mary after a couple of cups of coffee, some sausage, egg and cheese croissant sandwiches, and right before kickoff. 
will crush some cherry and apple smoked chicken drums and chase them with beer on tap. Go Bills. Cherry and apple smoked drums. There you go. Wow. They got I, it together. I wonder how that would taste. I'm intrigued. Yeah. I'm not huge on the... Whenever I get an egg sandwich, I don't need the cheese. Mm. I'll go bacon and egg. I'll go sausage and egg. And oh, I don't know. No. I just I, I don't mm. need the cheese. I realize that's kind of the glue of the breakfast sandwich. Yeah. I, but I don't usually go cheese. I do need ketchup, though. Almost everything's better with melted cheese on it. Right. I, no, I won't disagree with that. But I get it. But I will if say it's this. Right, if it's good bacon, do you like your eggs scrambled always, or do you like it, you know? I, I'll do a fried egg. Yeah, exactly. A fried egg, or do you like it scrambled? I'll do both. I can do yeah, both. Yeah, I don't care either. I like, I, I, I sometimes like the, just I don't the, like the sunny side. I just like the fried egg. Yeah. Sometimes. Over hard, yeah. I don't like sunny side up. So. I don't have a problem either way. So I like sunny side up, too. I can't do even, it. Even on the sandwich, because then it gives it some, like a condiment, so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. See, now, but I'm... If I'm going to put cheese on a breakfast sandwich, burger, I like Swiss. I don't know what it is. Yeah, but. it's a little stronger. I like Swiss. Yeah, I don't have a problem with that. Yeah, that's all taste. You or know? I shouldn't say you should get the I cheese. I should say you I, like. pref- I prefer Swiss. Well, whatever. It's if, if it's a cheese I like. I, don't, I like a lot of them, and I don't like some of them. You're but, a big Havarti guy. Well, Havarti is the best cheese you can eat just by itself. For a sandwich, just by itself. Okay. Um, it's yeah, Havarti's like. It's like butter. It's like butter, <laughs> and you know. <clears throat> but I like I like other, I like a little stronger cheese like you for sandwiches. Yeah, I'm I'm big on the Swiss, big on the spicy brown mustard, sharp cheddar. You and I are banana pepper guys. Yep, you can throw those on there, all the better. Yep. So, I'm all about it. I even like banana peppers on pizza. So I have just, I just got one of those. Recently, which I've never, I'm not. Oh, you've never done it. I hadn't. I have now, and I'm a big it's fan. Good, I right? gotta say, I gotta be. I was a big fan of nice it. Little it kick. was good. It was really good. Add a little something, something. Gives it a nice little kick. Yeah. All right, that is tailgate Friday, and uh, we encourage you for next week's home game. Get your tailgate Friday recipes and plans into us asap, because that game's gonna come up on us in a hurry, being Saturday night. Uh, so we want to have a really good tailgate Friday for you next week. So if you're yeah, that, already, if you're not coming to this week's game, but you're coming next week and you already got your menu set up, send I, it off to I, us and we'll get it on next Friday. I'm a little bit like the players. I, I, I kind of take these games one week at a time, but just, you know, just to give a little opening salvo as to next week's game, a Saturday night game all day Saturday yeah. in that parking lot with nothing to do the next day. Well, I mean, here's the thing. That's going to so be. It's a, that's got. That's a what is that? Eight fifteen kickoff, I think. Yeah, that's a confluence in a Christmas week. That's a confluence of events that's that could spell. Yeah. I mean, some think busted, about this. A lot of busted tables. From from the time on the calendar alone, Steve, the amount of holiday party dessert leftovers you could bring with you Saturday night alone. Yeah. On top of whatever food you're going to prepare for the day, you could get started at about 11, do lunch and an early dinner, take a food coma nap at about 5.30, <laughs> wake up at 6.30, and then get you know lathered up for the game. Yeah, get like, into the full swing. That could be a full day I'm, effort. <clears throat> that could be a two-meal tailgate. I think, 
I think next Saturday's got the makings of a of a bender on the horizon. <laughs> I mean, for, for a lot of people. I mean, <laughs> okay. I might have to. You, know, you be, just leveled up there on me. Like the old. I wasn't like expecting old, that. Like the old Bible saying, "You got to gird your loins for a weekend like that." Oh my <laughs> oh gosh! My yes. Save yourself for Saturday. Oh my gosh! Be a lot of water during the week to, to make sure you're properly hydrated. Yeah, knowing a, alcohol is a dehydrator. That's a that's a five cigar day right there. Oh, okay. I see where you're going now. Uh, we are going to take a break here because when we come back, it's our weekly visit from the man who chops up the X's and O's better than anybody. Senior producer from NFL Films, Greg Cosell, going to join us for hour number two here on a Friday on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. Live, presented by Kaleida Health. Hour number two on a Friday. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker with you, and joined as we are every Friday by the senior producer from NFL Films, also co-host of ESPN's NFL Matchup Show. It is the one and only Greg Cosell. Greg, how we doing here on a Friday? We're doing great, guys. I, I stayed in my suit today because I'm wearing a new suit, and I just kind of liked it, so I figured I'd leave it on for you guys. You look like a Very million nice. dollars. You look like a, a 1950s head coach on the sidelines. Good for you. Well, there you go. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> well, I guess, I guess Steve, all I need is that cigarette, right? You know, That's right. And <laughs> and, or a fedora. Yeah, a fedora and a heat. That's long... right, a fedora and a cigarette, and I'd be good to go. You are, you are the part. <laughs> Perfect, yeah. Uh, yeah. Greg Cosell's weekly segment is presented by Scott Lawnyard, an official commercial site work partner of the Buffalo Bills. And and let's begin here. I know we touched on some of this last week, Greg, with respect to, you know, the Jets and the matchup here the second time around. I don't know if you saw this. Reggie Gilliam is out for this game. I saw that. The Bills yeah. played about 10 plays at 21 personnel the first time around. We're anticipating if it has to be somebody, if, Coach Dorsey wants to still use 21 personnel with a quote-unquote fullback in there, that it would probably be Quinton Morris uh, that would take the role. But as you mentioned last Friday when you were on with us, we are just as intrigued with the use of the pony package last week against yep. New England. And I think it's a good look to use against this Jets defense. What do you think? Uh, yes. And in fact, you could go back to um... – the, the first matchup when they did use the pony package and cook win ran a wheel route in the high red zone. And he got on top of safety whitehead. And that was the play in which Rankins had a sack and a forced fumble. I don't know if you remember that specific play, but this past game against new England, they had 13 snaps with the pony package. 12 of them had cook and Heinz. Um, now they were running plays for the most part, uh, but they've had 10 days now. And they could certainly expand and enhance that package as they go forward. 
because that's something that the Jets have not quite seen a whole lot of. No one really has, except for, you know, they used it this past week. Uh, but the Jets didn't see much of it week nine. So I wouldn't be surprised, Brownie, if you saw more of that. Obviously, Hines now being here with extra time for practice. Both Cook and Hines are really good receivers. You could well see that. Why would that be a good matchup? Well, number one, Steve, I think you have to. then the Jets would have to decide how they want to defend that from a personnel standpoint. Because if you're playing with two backs, let's say in three, let's say you're playing two backs and three wide, you know, I think they go nickel. If you're playing two backs and one tight end with Knox, do they go nickel? Do they go big nickel, which they played snaps of using Parks as the third safety? Do they stay base and keep Quan Alexander on the field as a third linebacker? That becomes the first question. And then the second question becomes, how do they match up to it? Are they playing at zone? Are they playing at man? Who matches up to whom? You know, these are all questions that they'll know the answer to the Jets. Obviously, before the game, none of this will be done on a whim, but it's just something they, they then have to pre- prepare for and practice. The last few weeks, the Bills defense has faced quarterbacks that, for the most part, stay in the pocket, not yep. second reaction throwers, as you like to say. Would Mike White fall into that category as well? Because it seems like when a play gets off script, it's more often than not, he doesn't make something great happen. No, I would say, Brownie, that Mike White's not a statue, but he's not a second reaction player. Yeah. And I think what has shown up in his two starts uh, is the fact that the ball comes out. He doesn't get stuck in the pocket. Um, He seems to have a relatively refined sense of timing, which is probably the way he was brought up in the game as a quarterback because he's not an exceptional athlete. Um, I thought in the two starts, and I know he played last year against Buffalo and it didn't go well, uh, but that's a year ago, so who knows. But in his two starts, he knew where to go with the ball based on the route concept versus the coverage, and the ball pretty consistently came out within the structure of the play concept. That's the kind of quarterback he is, and I think that's the kind of quarterback he has to be to be an effective player. Give us an idea about his weapons. Who's his favorite guy? I mean, Garrett Wilson has really emerged <laughs> over the Wilson. last few Wilson, few few weeks. Yeah, Garrett Wilson's a really good receiver, Steve. I thought he was, you know, I'm bad with lists, but if I had to make a list of the receivers coming out of this draft, this previous draft, I would have said from a pure talent standpoint, I had George Pickens, number one. Wilson may well have been my number two. I really like Garrett Wilson's game. Um, I think you can line him up anywhere. You can line him up at X. You can line him up as a Z, as the movement receiver, which they do. He's a really, really good route runner. He has a great feel for understanding how to get corners turned, how to get them off their spot. Um, And he's really good run after catch. I think he's a really good receiver um, and, and on his way to being one of the better ones in the league. Okay, one problem, though, that the Jets have had is converting on third down. They've been over 40% conversion rate just once in the last seven weeks, and that was against the Bears, the worst third down defense in football, and even then they were only 7 of 12. Um, Right. What is the main sticking point for them on third down from what you've seen? Is it not getting in favorable down distance? Is it a pure execution issue? Is it pass protection? What is there an overriding factor there that you've seen? Well, I, I think, Brownie, you've got to just now look at the Mike White situation because, you know, Zach Wilson 
was was really really bad yeah um and and I mean, I, you know, I say that honestly as a film study statement, not as trying to be personal. You know, Zach Wilson is at the point, unfortunately, where he's broken and he needs you need to start from scratch. But that's not relevant for this game. Um, so I think you have to look at Mike White. Um, you know, I don't know his numbers offhand. You, you know, you may know just the last two games yeah. offhand. So they went. My guess is. Go ahead. They went 7 of 12 against the Bears, the worst third down defense in football. Yeah. And then last yeah. week they went 3 for 16 on third down. Yeah, they were bad last week on third down. And, you know, when I watched the tape, I didn't necessarily come away saying here's the reason why. I thought that that early in the game they really struggled. I thought their their pass game early was, was tough. And then I thought that uh, late in the first half, you may remember this play because I know you looked at it. Um, White hit Wilson late in the first half, 18 yards on an outcut. I don't know if you remember that play. It was mm. it was really a, a big time throw, and I thought he then got comfortable in the game and he started to make a lot of good throws in the second half. So I don't want to use the one game last week as a reason why they can't convert on third down. Obviously. You have to convert on third down. And last week's game was kind of odd because they sort of got behind pretty big. And then they did come back and they literally had to throw the ball a ton in the second half. Um, one area, what what one thing they have featured on, uh, they've they featured Brownie in, in White's two starts is play action. Yeah. Um, there have been a lot of play action dropbacks and White's been really, really good. OK, Um He's 18 for 26 for 329 and a touchdown on, on off play action. And 14 of those 18 completions have resulted in first downs. So I think that's something you really have to be aware of because they do it a lot and they've done it well with Mike White at quarterback. Well, certainly the Minnesota game last week was a little bit of an aberration because it seems to me the Jets would love to run the football more than they did against Minnesota. But they got you know Michael Carter, James Robinson, Ty Johnson, but – Zonovan Bam Knight seems to be a newfound toy that they're kind of enamored with. Give us a little insight as how important is their run game in comparison to other teams around the league, and how are they doing in it? Well, I think I agree with you, Steve. I think they would want to run the ball more. Last week they got into a game where they were behind, and I think they felt like they had to throw. Um, so I don't think they want to play that way. Now, Knight, I watched him. He's a rookie from North Carolina State. Um I didn't think he was a higher level running prospect. Um, you know, he's one of those guys that's he's got good size. There's a, a physical feel to him. Um, I, I wouldn't say he's shifty and elusive. I would say that he's much more of a strong runner with contact balance. You do need to get bodies to him to, to bring him to the ground. Um, so, you know, he's not, he's not bursty. He's kind of a one speed guy. He's kind of methodical. So, I guess the way this game plays out will dictate how much they run the football. You know, if the game's close, I would think that they would want to stay with the run game to some extent. If the Bills can get ahead and they abandon the run game, then I think obviously Knight or any any other back would not really be a big factor in the game. And to this point, we have not seen the corners for the Jets travel at all. They really like nope. they like Reed and they like sauce where they are and he's not afraid afraid to play man coverage um and leave those guys on islands does i mean did has that pretty much been consistent throughout um the season yeah. or have they played you know significantly more zone in any one week 
I think they play pretty much a number of things. You know, I don't think they're a a high percentage one or the other. Um, I think they play a lot of different coverages. Uh, and I think that they're, you know, they're pretty comfortable playing that. I think they're more zone than man overall. Um, you know, that's pr- that's pretty much the way Salah is. I would say that when you just look at it overall, they would be a, a, a reasonably higher percentage zone coverage defense, Brownie, than a man coverage defense. Everybody plays man situationally, but this is more of a zone-based defense. I would say their defensive profile against pass would be four-man D-line pass rush, zone coverage. Not a high-percentage blitz team. They didn't blitz much in the Week 9 meeting. And you're 100% right about Gardner and Reed. Gardner plays left corner. Reed plays right corner. I remember before the last game listening to other people and saying to myself, I guess these people don't watch the games, saying, I can't wait for the Gardner-Diggs matchup. And you know what? Gardner ended up lining up over Stephon Diggs twice, and it was both times it was because Diggs went in motion. So he's not going to travel with Stephon Diggs. What did the Jets – what were the Jets able to do in the last matchup that stifled the Bills' offense? Um – I thought their pass rush was a big factor in the game. I thought that they got Josh playing a little fast at times. Um, he wasn't as patient in the pocket as we've seen. Um, their pass game got a little out of sync. Um, you know, and Allen was out of sync. So, you know, I think that was kind of the first game where they really started to get Cook involved. And that's clearly continued. So I think we'll see how that plays out. Uh, but you know, I think for the most part that the Bills pass game was not really what we come to expect it to be. And I think, you know, we'll see if that's the case this week. As I said, the Jets relied almost exclusively on a four-man D-line pass rush. They didn't blitz much at all. You know, the Bills only gained just over 300 yards in that game. It was an odd game because they were effective on third down, if you look at the numbers. Yeah. But Allen was not good on third down. So it was an odd game in terms of how they converted their third downs. And then just circling back to the pony package that we started with, as in, yep. you know, as much as they might want to run out of that, like they did last week, I think there's some some passing options that can be had here in the underneath areas, you know, against that second line of defense for the Jets. I mean, we saw it last week. Josh did not hesitate to go to the backs. I mean, Cook had six no. catches for forty something yards. And there were times where I'm saying to myself, that didn't look like a check down. I'm wondering if Cook was like the first guy in the read on a couple of them because he went to him so quickly. I mean, it's probably not the case, but I guess the, the point I'm driving at here is I think that's a good way, knowing it's tough for the Bills, or at least it has been for most of the year, to run traditional screens with backs effectively. I'm wondering if, you know, using them out of the backfield on quick release, you know, passing routes can kind of alleviate some of the pressure that the Jets can generate. Well, here's what we don't know, Brownie. You know, those plays, what we don't know is this. When you when you when a team plays zone and and let's say Allen takes the snap and drops back and then the underneath coverage retreats immediately to a pretty decent depth, we don't know if if Josh is told, "Hey, just throw the short quick throw to the to the back that looks like a checkdown." But if you're going to get 8, 9, 10, 11 yards, 
There's nothing wrong with that, particularly right. if it's first down or if it's second and six. And you know what? Maybe we start to pull those linebackers up a little bit. And for a team that plays predominantly zone, what then happens, and Steve, you know this, then you create that void between the underneath coverage and the deep coverage because the Jets do play a lot of split safety. So you start to get that void. So that's the one thing we don't know what Ken Dorsey and staff are telling Josh. They could well be telling him, hey, if you see those linebackers getting out of there, you know what? Throw it to Cook. Throw it to Singletary. We'll take the 9, 10, 11-yard gain every single time, and it may pay off as the game progresses. Right. Let's, I'm going to flip it around and ask you a little bit about the Bills' defense. Tredavious White's snap count is starting to climb as he gets yep. more acclimated. How do you think that changes the back end of the Bills' defense? Well, I think it changes it significantly, assuming he's Tredavious White, because he's a really good corner, and so he's better than the corners that – um, they would be playing with otherwise. So, you know, I think that helps a lot. And I think in this game, that would be really important because the Jets do have pretty good receivers. You know, Moore has been playing well. Mims has been getting some good snaps. Um, so I think that, you know, if Whites can play 40, 50, whatever the number of snaps, then that that's obviously a really good thing. He's a really good player. Um, I forget the number of snaps he played last week. I know the first game he only played 16 snaps, but I think he played meaningfully more last week. Yeah, it was over 30, I know for sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then on the other side, we've seen Xavier Rhodes, the veteran pickup, get a lot more time. He got he certainly got a lot last week. Um, the Bills like long corners, and he is that. I know he's a 10-year veteran. Um, yeah, but you mentioned Mims and that's a big target. A guy like Rhodes is not a bad matchup for a tall player like that. No, no. And, and, you know, again, the, the bills, you know, like for instance, last week, the bills played predominantly zone, uh, and they played both single high and split safety, you know, Rhodes, I think at this point in his career is a really good zone corner. Yeah. You know, I think he understands how to play zone. You know, he's been in the league a long time. I think Tredavious white can do anything. Um, you know, I thought the Bills actually showed some nice com combination coverages as well on third down where it had zone principles and man principles. I think you'll see more of that because at the end of the day, I know White's not a rookie, but he's not started a lot of games in this league. And his whole game is built on getting the ball out. So anything you can do to just make that slow down, even a millisecond, even half a beat is a positive. So I think you'll see some disguised looks, some some hybrid looks anything that just perhaps makes him hold it. Uh, you know, obviously they're without Von Miller. Um, you know, I think they can still rush the quarterback. Obviously Miller is, is, is an all-timer, but I still think they can rush the quarterback uh, to some degree without Von. You know, we got a uh, word this week. Uh, Matt Milano is questionable for the game. He's been, he hasn't practiced much, is dealing with an injury. Uh, last time these two teams played, Tredavious White wasn't on the field. Jordan Poirier wasn't on the field. And, of course, Milano was not on the field yeah, in that no, game either. Now, he may and not Rousseau be this... got dinged and only played 15 snaps. Right, and Rousseau was yeah. off the field. So the, how – I mean, you're talking about 40 – four guys, 40% of your starting 11 or thereabouts uh, that were not there – where have you seen this Bills team evolve to from the beginning, if you can think about it, because I know you've watched, you know, 150 games of film. Right, 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 right. Um, you know, from the beginning of the year, now that they've got, you know, when he's healthy, obviously, Milano, Tredavious White, of course, when he's healthy, Jordan Poyer, now that he is healthy and back on the field, along with everybody except Von, Von Miller, you know, this is a much different team than we've seen at other points during the season. 
Is it not? Um, I think every team evolves. I think, as you recall, in that first Jets game, the Jets really ran the ball effectively in that, you know, when they got the ball late in the game, uh, it was a 17-17 game. And they, I think they, uh, if memory serves me correctly, the first eight plays of that drive were, were runs by Robinson and Carter. So, I mean, it was an odd kind of game. It wasn't as if, and, and like I said, it was Wilson, not White, but it wasn't as if the pass game was killing the the uh, Bills, you know, I think everybody was surprised, Brownie. Wouldn't you agree when on that final drive when they ran the ball eight consecutive times? Yeah. And I think they gained over 70 yards on those runs. It was a poor tackling runs. game. I remember Leslie Frazier talking yeah. about it being a poor tackling game. And Poyer, Poyer, White, Milano, those are probably three of your more sure tacklers. So having them on the field, hopefully if Milano can go. And, and by the way, you know, Bernard was the player who played for Milano, right. and I don't think he would be the player who would play this week, quite honestly, AJ if, Klein, if Milano yeah. can't go. It, it would be A.J. Klein. Yeah, right. And, you know, I remember watching that tape and thinking to myself, because Bernard played almost every snap, if not every snap, thinking to myself, God, he really looks small on film. He looks like a safety. And I thought he played small. Like, I didn't think he was a factor in the run game. Right, and you're right, AJ. We're thinking the same thing. We've discussed it. AJ Klein would be the next guy in if Mel- if Milano can't go. Another guy that's out this week is probably is Jordan Phillips, the big defensive tackle. Yeah. Now the Bills, I think he rotates in, so it's hard to say what kind of percentage it would change things because Daquan Jones and Ed Oliver and uh, Tim Settle have been pretty good down inside themselves, but with an extra big body like like Jordan Phillips rotating in and not there this week, it might be difficult to see a substantive change in the the run defense they've been able to put out there in the last couple of weeks. Yeah. And I agree with you, Steve. I mean, look, you can go back to that last game. You know, I just looked at my notes and the Jets got the ball at their four yard line with 753 remaining in a 17, 17 game. And I guarantee that there were a lot of bills fans and maybe even you guys that thought, Hey, they're at their four yard line. This defense will hold them. They'll get good field position and the bills will go on and win and win the game. And then they had, eight straight runs for 73 yards, three runs of 10 plus yards. So that really turned out to be the way that game played out. You know, it wasn't as if the Jets just killed the Bills defense, but in that moment in the game, they could not stop the run. And I think that's where Bernard was, was a factor. Like you said, Steve, Brett, I think Klein would, would, would be the guy if Milano can't go. Greg, thanks as always. We appreciate it. Enjoy the games this weekend and we'll catch up with you next week. All right, guys, appreciate it. Thanks. Thanks, Greg. All right, that's Greg Crosell, senior producer from NFL Films, also co-host of the ESPN NFL Matchup Show that airs on the weekends on ESPN. We have to take a break here because when we come back, we'll be joined by a Wall of Famer in studio. One Daryl Talley is on the scene. He joins us next here on One Bills Live, presented by Collider Health. It's Buffalo Bills Radio. All right, we're back here on One Bills Live. Chris Brown, Steve Tasker, and a Wall of Famer by the name of Daryl Talley. Actually, we got two fall, two Wall of Famers and a, just a guy named Chris here uh, on One Bills Live. Uh, Daryl, good to have you. Glad you finally made it. He is uh, this week's legend of the game when the Bills host the Jets. Legend of the game is presented by the BFLO Store, the official retailer of the Buffalo Bills. Download and visit the Bills app. Enter for a chance to win a $250 BFLO store gift card and a signed Daryl Talley football Saturday, December 10th, 1 to 2 p.m. 
He's going to be at the BFLO store on Transit Road, so you can get a free autograph there. Sunday, 11 to 12, he's going to be on the Seneca sound, sound stage right over on Abbott Road for a meet and greet and some signing, some autographs as well. Hope your hand's in shape, Daryl. You, you know. Got to be in shape. The rest <laughs> of me's not. <laughs> now, before we go any further, we need to remind fans what happened because Daryl was originally supposed to be the legend of the game for the Browns game. Obviously, a East Cleveland guy. It, it, it all fit together. It was perfect. The, was thing perfect. That, the thing that wasn't perfect was the damn weather. weather. <laughs> because we had November Part 2 here where it snowed six feet. But Daryl was committed to driving here, and we had him on the show that Friday from Cleveland in his car when a, one, when a, when a wager went down live on the air between him and Tasker, and this is how it played out. I think it's a well-put-together yeah, plan. Yeah, I'll see you Tuesday. <laughs> Steve, Steve has no faith. You ain't going to make it. You are not going to make it. He's got no faith. I, I got a hundo that says bet? you don't make it. I, I got a – no. got it. No, I, I shouldn't have said that. Because Daryl Daryl walked. For $100, Daryl walked. He'll be walked to Buffalo. Daryl, I'm telling you right now, he wasn't even convinced you were going to get connect with us on Zoom. Yeah, Let I alone Zoom, get here on Sunday. I thought for sure the Zoom would give you problems, but you made it. Oh, it did give me problems, but I did make it. Like I He said. did make it, see? All right, I'll and tell you. you right, have a little more faith. I, if you're, all right, if you're, I, you got all the way till Sunday at 1.00. All right, I just, I just, okay. I good luck, bro. Sunday, travel I, safe. I, I got Sunday at one, right? Yes. Yeah. Travel safe. I will do that, brother. Yeah, you got, you got that in the bag. And Darryl. I got I'm your hundo saying. waiting on you if you show up. <laughs> I'll be sitting there. I'll be coming in looking for my bin now. Yeah. All right. Yeah. I got you. All right. So th- that's how yeah. it went down. Now it never happened. Here's the, here's the here's the ultimate question: the game gets relocated to Detroit. So Daryl doesn't have to drive here. So what happens? Is it is the whole? Is this like a sports book when it's off the board? Well, I'll tell you this: one thing is for sure, I ain't paying a hundo because he didn't he show up. <laughs> I don't, hey, I like, was I where I was that. supposed to be. They, uh, yeah. they moved the game. It was where you're supposed <laughs> to. They be. moved the whole entire game. Nobody was where they were supposed to be. Nobody, Least of all you. That's right. Well. We were all supposed to be over there. We were all across the parking lot, and it never happened. So, you know, all I know is you weren't the legend of the game. (laughs) There wasn't a game. So the hundo is, you know, how could I play a game? How could I come to a game that wasn't? Well, needless, the game was. It just wasn't wasn't here. here. (laughs) So, needless to say, I haven't seen my hundo yet. I tell you what, (laughs) I I would tend to think, just in all fairness, that this would be like one of those things. Where you you see the thing up on the board at the sports book in the casino, they take it and off then the they board. take it take off, it off the, board. the board. I think that's what we've got here. So if you guys can I can agree on that, that yeah, all right. then everybody keeps their money and I ain't betting anything their, on this and their cigars. Because there was a cigar in there too somewhere. That is true. I'm pretty sure Daryl can make this game since he's already here. There was a okay. All right. decades past, maybe not, but no. I'm sure Daryl's. Yeah, I'll make in it. shape. He'll be here. That's good. Time. That's good. Um, yeah. I, I wanted to get your take first and foremost, Daryl. Uh, he missed the last couple of games with a groin injury. He comes back last Thursday night. The first 20 plays on defense 
Tremaine Edmonds was playing like he had his hair on fire. That's what that's, did you, yeah. what did you see from him last Thursday in his return after missing two games? I seen a guy that was playing very very well, scraping up and in. I mean, he he went after the ball. I mean, that was the best I'd seen our linebackers play the whole year. Like he looked really instinctive in that game, and he looked like he was he he was a man on a mission. He had a, he had an object, objective to do. Yeah, he and was. that's the thing that I looked at. He just. He just looked like he was possessed for a little while. You know, <laughs> that's, a good, yeah, that's a good thing because we all get possessed every now and then. I mean, a lot of people don't believe that, but that does happen when you go out, out on the field. Yeah, he, he really has played at a different level this year. And, you know, we've been talking about it a ton because, you know, we all, his contract situation is he's a first-round draft pick, and he has played at a really high level, and he's 25. That's He seems like he's been here for 10 years, and he's 25. <laughs> I know. That's what's really, really shocking. And I mean, he's going to get better even. I mean, he's, he's gonna going to continue. He's going into his prime now. He's, he's really getting ready to start to turn the corner now to whereas everybody else is going to start being afraid because the talent is just going to he's, – he's been in the system now for three years. Right? More than More that. Than that. No, 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 no. Four, five, five. Five years. Got, they five years. So guess what? Right now is when he's starting to take off. This is right now is becoming his prime time to leap. They drafted him. On draft day, he was 19. 19. He was 19 when they drafted him. And now he's – and he started since the first time he stepped on it. Now he turned 20. Ran the defense. He turned 20 before he stepped on the field. But he was 20 as a starting middle linebacker in the NFL on a playoff team. Um, that's huge. That's that's huge. That's, that's something. Uh, and it's his body of work. And while Bills fans have been lukewarm about him at times because they think he, you know, for all the things they say, running past blocks and doing not doing stuff exactly the right way, that's changed. That is really well, changed. My thing is this: here's what you have to remember. He's a six foot five, two hundred forty five pound guy that can run four five, four four. And with the long arms that he has, if he uses the leverage, he can keep people away. Yeah. And I guarantee – I, I ain't going to guarantee you that. I ain't going to say that. I think he and Milano would make, make a great team as long as they keep them together right now. And, yeah. I mean, they're both starting to play well together. And when they're both playing well together, you notice that there's no, no big holes mm. when they're playing and running downhill. They've, what, been, they've been helped by those – Safeties. Those DTs coming in this year, though, too. I mean, those three guys they got, I mean, they're, they're running that's, clean. That's the biggest part about keeping it because, clean. well, not necessarily keeping them clean, but my thing is this, if they're not going to make the play, at least hold the guy up so he can't get to me to block me. Yeah, one of the things that I've noticed, too, and you talk about Tremaine and the year he's having, and a lot of people don't realize this. You go back to look at guys like even Dick Butkus way back in the day uh, and – Brian Urlacher and Luke Keekley and these middle linebackers that have been really successful. Now, certainly there are exceptions to it, like um, London Fletcher, uh, Sam Mills, guys like that. But the guys I'm talking about, like Tremaine, when you see the game and you watch a film from behind the quarterback and you've got a middle linebacker who's going to carry a tight end or a running back down the middle of the field, he blots them out. Luke Keekley was a tall guy. Urlacher was an enormously tall guy. It scares quarterbacks off of those throws, even if they don't have perfect coverage, because they cover because they're so big. Because of look. their reach is so they're big. This is, what's, this is what it is, Sevy. 
Like yeah, yeah, yeah. It's these things right here, these arms, these tentacles he's got. It's trying to throw the it's trying to throw a football in your living room to your little brother in the corner and your dad standing in front of him. Yeah, that's, that's a good what way it to looks put it. like. Yeah. And it's there's no room, no space, and you're like you're they're standing there like this trying to look for a hole to throw it in. And, and there ain't no time. That's just and that's just gives those guys like that an edge, which is why Sean McDermott and the philosophy and whatever parameters they're looking to draft a guy in. And they, they draft a guy like Tremaine, who's perfect for that. A big guy, big, bo- big, huge body with long arms is physical. And that's what you need. And we have that, right? right? So my thing is this. Let's continue his growth and let's keep him around because I think that they got something really good. Because yeah. right now, if you look at it, he was the first, he was the first one of all the young guys to, pick his, to poke his head out of the, um, out of the nest, as you would say. To say, hey, look, I can do this. I can play here. I can play at this level. Yeah. So once he did that, now he's done it. Now all he has to do is stay there and get better because all it is is working at his craft. Now let's talk about the whole next man up philosophy. They knew they weren't going to have Vaughn for at least the next four games once they put him on IR last week. But now they go in, exploratory surgery, ACL surgery repair is needed, done for the season. You got some young bucks in there at the end position, along with Shaq Lawson, who I think is having a pretty solid season, especially as an edge edge setter. Um, Rousseau, Boogie Basham, A.J. Epinesa, they know it's on them now. You know, they're still – I mean, you're talking about one third-year player and two second-year players. It's always been on them. Okay. Because they play defense. Right. Their job is to stop somebody. Don't matter when it comes up. How it comes up. It could be the last play of the game or the first play of the game. My job is to stop them. Yeah. That's what their job is to do. Let's get this work done. Simple as that. Simple as that. There's, there's no hemming and hawing about it. Yeah. We know what we're here for. We come here for one purpose, to win games. What's my job? Stop the offense. Okay. I got to go stop the offense and take the football away. Those are two things I'm supposed to do. Hmm. So – Get get my hat and my coat and get my butt on the field and get it done. So did you have a good trip in? <laughs> oh, dude, the, the trip on the way in was was very interesting. Met a lot of wonderful people on their way back. I to saw Buffalo. it. I saw my social media. I, saw, I knew what you were wearing before you showed up because <laughs> everybody's taking pictures with you in the airport. Yeah, that was funny. I sat yeah. down at the airport. I'm sitting there. And next thing I know, I thought I was at a photograph session. Yeah. What's the – you talk about you coming in this jet game. We talked about, you know, you were supposed to be like Cleveland. Them. This jet game, this is a division game late, and it's a December game in Buffalo. It's the jet, all that stuff. Give, us, give me a memory of your favorite jet game of all time that my, you played in. My favorite jet game I played in? Oh, I know. I think I can the guess. The one, one in New York. Oh, okay. Where Bruce is sitting on the sidelines. You may remember this. With some hot chicken noodle soup. <laughs> and he's slurping the soup, and I'm looking at him. I told him. I looked at him, I said, what in the are you doing sitting over here? I'm out here fighting my ass off, getting beat up. You need to get your big butt out here with me. I caught him a few other words in between, but he got the message about I needed some help. (laughs) (laughs) And the other thing, Sevy, everybody talks about the New York Jets, and everybody says, who have we won most of our ASU championship games against? The New York Jets. Yeah. And they're always – I'm going to be honest with you, I think this game is going to be tight. I think this game is going to be decided by a field goal. Mm. 
Jets. I remember a game it's in just, it's just it's just the way we, it's just the way we played the Jets. Yeah, I saw the I saw a recap, a video recap today on on social media about the 1988 game when the you know after the Freddie. Bills had had been down for so long, Freddie blocks a field goal for them to win it. We go down, we win it. <clears throat> uh, because of the block field goal and the, the you won goal, the division on that the game, one right? the division yeah. on the goal the goalposts come down fandemonium the whole the whole nine yards I remember uh, I actually followed Fred up the tunnel because he was like cutting a swath. <laughs> Yeah, you were in trouble there. All, yeah. all you had to do was follow Fred. Yeah, I was a, you were getting out. It was a bad matchup for me and the fans, right? <laughs> so uh, I was losing the matchup, so I got behind Freddie. Um, those, there are some great – I remember the, the Halloween game in New York on a Monday night football game when they were bouncing around. They were bouncing around a big four-foot jack-o'-lantern one night uh, on that night, and then also it was painter's cap night. And they, were, they started fires up in the upper deck of Giant Stadium. They lit, they piled, because we were beating them 35 3 yeah, or something. That sounds about right. And they piled up like all the hats up 250 of those hats and they lit them on fires. There's a fire going on in the stadium. Um, and that's also, I think that might have been the night where Bruce comes out and unfurls this pass rush move, the rip and spin move. And poor Trevor Maddich gave up like four sacks to Bruce uh, in that game or something. It was, it was one of those games that was just. Goodness gracious, um, just dominant performance. It was in their building. Those are fun jet uh, games. I I don't mean to date you, Daryl. I know which one you're going to say. No, which no, one? no. I don't. I don't even want to talk about jet games right now because you know you came in a little bit after Leslie Frazier came in with the Bears. He's going into the Black College Football Hall of Fame. He just got named to the induction class yeah. yesterday. Um, you know. Two defensive guys that kind of appreciate their peers. What I mean in the time, I mean I know you guys didn't play the Bears a whole lot. Yeah, we played the Bears. We played in eighty. Yeah. I had to play against. I played against Leslie. Yeah. So maybe just kind of for fans that are too young to know Leslie Frazier, the player, because he was pretty productive. He, he DB. Was, he, he was a he was a damn damn good DB to be honest with yeah. you. Yeah. I mean he knew where he had to be and he would hit you. He would strike fire on you. And the thing that he always did was. He never got caught out of position too much, and that was the one good thing about him. He was always where he was supposed to Reliable. be. Reliable. Yep. That's what you got to be. Yeah. Pretty crazy. I mean, it's a shame. His career got cut short by that knee injury in the Super Bowl, returning a punt, and he blew his knee out, never came back it's from amazing. it. Good. And he was done after six seasons. It's, un- it's unfortunate because he was on a pretty damn good team. <laughs> well, you, you, have to, you don't have well, to tell me. Yeah. Part of the reason that Half team – Half of them came out of school with me. Yeah, that yeah. – that, uh, Leslie Frazier and guys like him were the reason that team only went to and won one Super Bowl. The 85 Bears team was was unbelievable. And, you know, they, they, they just say, got there once. They got to one Super Bowl. Yeah. And they talked about us being loaded. Now, if that isn't loaded, I don't know what is. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Daryl, thanks. We'll uh, have fans looking for you out at the BFLO store on Saturday, 1 to 2 p.m. That's the Transit Road location. Daryl will be out there for autographs. And Sunday, he'll be over here at the Seneca Soundstage on Abbott Road before the game, 11 to noon, for some meet and greet. So if you, if you thought you took enough pictures at the airport today, <laughs> wait till Sunday. They'll be, uh, you'll be getting mobbed. Have your smile on, Permagrin, because you're going to need it. I'm going to need Permagrin, huh? <laughs> Thanks for joining us, Daryl. We All appreciate right, thanks, it. DT. We're going to take a, a break here. Be back to close things up next on One Bills Live. Stay tuned. All 
right, here we are. One Bills live on a Friday, just about ready to pack this thing in. And it's time for Vision to Victory, presented by Atwal Eye Care, the official eye care provider of the Buffalo Bills. For Steve, I got two things. I think, one, you got to use the backs in the passing game for easy outlets for Josh to neutralize the pass rush. And we know that the screen game isn't super strong on the part of the Bills offense but I think there can be some check down throws, some swing passes, stuff like that, that could get the Bills easy yardage to stay on schedule down and distance-wise, move the football down the field, get into scoring territory and take it from there. And then I think defensively, they got to put it on Mike White. I think if they get Mike White over 35 pass attempts, he'll give you one, and they win the game. I think that's exactly right. I think you've got to find a way to negate their pass rush that gave them a problem last time they played. And that means quick release, get Josh on some timing routes. Um, and also in, try and incorporate a little bit more of a run game as well. Uh, but I, I agree with you, Brownie. you got to get rid of the ball, get the ball out of Josh's hands in the passing game, give them a little bit of hesitation. Don't, don't be afraid to use the run game if you need to. Run right at those pass rushers first and foremost. Mm-hmm. Um, and And – give them a chance to uh, to hesitate and and you're right defensively you got to stop the run first and foremost and give them third and long they struggle on third and long when I, we, the bills have struggled defensively on third and long as well but get them in third and long and get them off the field this and this team will play it into your hands steve and maddie will have the post game wrap up on bills tonight we will have a full recap on buffalo football monday we will see you at noon enjoy the game on sunday everybody